0: Welcome to another edition of Here's the Pitch, uh, sponsored by Masses Restaurants in St. Louis. There's five locations, stlmasses.com. If you're driving through St. Louis, again, I mention this every time I do one of these Stern-esque type interviews. If you're not from St. Louis, you should stop there. They're my favorite restaurant, and they love Howard Stern interviews. They love David Letterman, and so they're going to love my next guest because my next guest today, actually, that's Dave's. Netflix show. My next guest, I believe. Yeah, it's, right. No, no introduction needed. It's Vinny Favalli. You know that voice. You know the
1: long introduction.
0: You know that face. Uh, Vinnie Favalli, of course, uh, was a VP at CBS for many years. He was the VP of, of late night East Coast, which Howard would make fun of on and on and on, and, and it was uh, always fun. But Vinnie, thank you for coming on and joining me here today. And uh,
1: what a backdrop you have. That's- my pleasure. To be- uh, thank you. Thank you. We're in my uh, basement. I have my Apple TV on that side, and my Beatles bookcase in the back. All Beatles, all the time.
0: So, and I always mention that I've been uh, on these. I've been doing little pre-interviews. I did not mention this in my pre-interview, but literally the reason why your 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 name came to my head. My wife makes fun of me, or my mom. We talked about that. Uh, uh, I've intertwined those two. Um, I was sitting at my computer and just suddenly, and I'm not kidding, started singing "Restless, Restless." We wear purple dress. Put on my dad's shoes, and I said, I'm, "Vinny, where's Vinny? Where's Vinny Favalli at? So we'll talk whatever about. Happened to Vinny Favallo. <laughs> so whatever did happen. So let's talk real quick, just uh, what you're up to now, and then we'll kind of run through some of the historical stuff and have some fun right. and tell some stories. But um, Vinny Favalli right now, 2020, COVID. What are you doing these days? What's keeping you busy?
1: I am self-loathing. I mean, self-isolating. I am doing what everyone else is doing Uh, in New Jersey. We're all banding together, it seems, New York and New Jersey. Um, Prior to COVID, I guess as recently as March, uh, I had left CBS a couple of years ago, and I've been on my own writing uh, another musical... (laughs) All the all the uh, people who who want to criticize my my investment my hereafter musical. I'm working on another one, which ironically was called Happy New Year, which is not a, the whole. Everything has to change now. I was
0: going to say, is poor um, is poor is poor Tom Gizamondo, Gizamondo having to sit stand there next um, to you? You know, he's not working on this one, but he's
1: there in spirit. Uh, anyway, long story, even longer. I was. It was wonderful going into the city three days a week with my WeWorks, uh, different developing different projects, which I'm still working on. It's a lot harder doing it from home, uh, but um, you know, like like everyone else, I'm just you know catching up on 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 things, writing, reflecting, um, and hoping that we get through this okay eventually.
0: Yeah, it's just kind of tough when you start trying to do stuff on your own, and then boom, th- this happens. But uh, again, I, I'm looking forward to our conversation today. Um, you, you, I looked at your bio; I, I kind of knew most of this, but I didn't realize that you actually you got on Dave Letterman's show early in the day. You were did you want to be an on camera type person? Was that no. where you? Yeah,
1: tell me how. Well, there was a little bit of there was a little bit of Lucy, you know, like oh, put me on TV, Ricky. It's uh, I'm just a fan. I always have been. Remain. Sometimes it's dangerous when you get a little too close to see how the stuff is made, how the sausage is made. Uh, but I'm happy to say that I have remained a fan of both um, uh, Letterman and Howard, even after seeing up close. Yeah, uh, you know, comedy is difficult. It's it's a it's a big business. Um, doesn't always start out that way. You know, Howard started out small, and so did Dave. But uh, my first job was at Thirty Rock, which was amazing. You know, like to be out of Brooklyn College. And now I'm actually walking in these Hallowed Halls. So, you know, on the on the uh, third floor was the Tom Snyder show. On the second floor was uh I miss in the morning and 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 WNBC Radio, you know, all of that. And then you take the elevator up uh on the sixth floor, and on one side it was uh uh, Live at five, the at NBC in New York was was there was the big local lo, local news. And on the other side of the hall was uh Studio six A, where, where Letterman did his show. And prior to that on that floor, Carson did the show when they did the show from New York. And then you go up to um the ninth floor, which is where our the studio that I worked, I worked for WYNY, which was an FM radio station, and there was a big window that looks down on the famous eight H. Um saturday night live and in the history of live tv and Lord michael's office was on the ninth floor so my my routine was amazing you know living at home getting on the b train um to manhattan and walking into the i never wanted to leave i i i worked till eight nine o'clock ten o'clock because it was like being in cooperstown you know it's like working in a place where it all happened so when in 1982 i was excited when Lenderman. um got his show at 1230. It's like, one of our guys have made it. That... And I don't know if you remember that, but that was a big deal.
0: Yeah, no, but that, yeah, his show, I was not old enough to remember him coming on the air, but as a kid growing up, I mean, I right. I recorded, and I was a nerd back then, I think, and we're probably fellow nerds, I recorded this show and watched it on on VHS the next day. I'd get home from school and I would watch Letterman from the night before because I would record it. I, I didn't want to. First of all, I loved it. I loved having them on tape, but I do. I didn't want to stay up all night. But the the thing you talk. I mean, you think about that building about like with nineteen eighty four. You've got David Letterman, Howard Stern, Eddie Murphy, uh, and then the the, the giants of you just all these names are walking through the door there. I never. Insane. Yeah, yeah. I was. I mean. I never aspired to be uh, like a vice president, which is what you do become, but where, where does it become where you're deciding, all right, I want to be sort of in charge. Cause you get to comedy central, what, 85, 86, not, not, maybe late nineties, uh, but I,
1: I got the comedy central. Uh, we actually started off with a comedy channel. So, so I'll give you, I'll, I'll, I'll try to take you through it quickly and not boring at all. Uh, hopefully. Um, so in 82, going back to 82, I'm more- uh for a radio station and traffic department back office stuff howard Stern did not get there yet he came like a year later but um i was uh there was um notices going around the building that david letterman was doing a talent show so he launched in february of eighty two and in October of 82, where he had been on several months and there was a buzz, he was doing a very sarcastic talent show of NBC employees. It was not to embrace talent. It was more to face it. You know, it's it's it, it was probably uh, uh, a, a preview of what would become stupid human tricks, you know, and if you saw my thing, that was pretty much a stupid human trick. And I was hip enough, I think, to know, to get it. Like, oh, you know. But anyway, I'm minding my own business. I got a call from the show one day, and and they said, hey, we heard you're really funny. Do you want to audition? And I'm like, well, who told you that? Apparently, people I worked with, you know, funny guy in the office is a lot different than funny guy on national TV, okay? Uh, And I was intrigued because it's like, oh, there's an audition. Now, if I only had an act, that would be great, you know? So I figured out this novelty, this bit where – essentially, you could see it on YouTube, you were either going to laugh with me or laugh at me. Either way, you were going to laugh. And I didn't care, as long as you laughed. And I auditioned uh, for the writers. It was a big cattle call. And they, uh, I got a call back. And the call back was now an audition for Dave in his office with, with us, uh, the producers and a smaller group. And I, um, I had seen Dave a lot. We bumped into to each other a lot. Because if you remember the history of late night. Dave was the heir apparent to Carson at one point, right? But back in the day, and when they gave him a morning show, and then the morning show got canceled, and they still wanted to be in business with Dave NBC, so he he was in limbo for almost a year, and his office was near mine, so we would just kind of bump into each other in the hall, wa- watching Howard do his radio show. By that time, Howard had come on, and there was a glass. There was, if you remember, the Private Parts movie. There, there was a scene where the, the the tour guide, you know, takes people off the elevator and God knows what's happening on the show. That's what it really was like. And David and I would often find ourselves wordlessly not really talking to each other. He's just like, it's that head nod that you give that that that, that person you seem to see every day or every other day. And we were just watching Howard do a show, which was amazing preview of my own life with these guys. Anyway, I auditioned for Dave. Dave goes, hey, I remember you from the hall. I remember you, blah, 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 blah. Um, I make the show, and then it just escalates. Then like a week before um, the show's going to tape, I have an act down. It's like four four minutes of stand-up. Really, really kind of, you know, hokey, but but very much in that human tricks to be human tricks. I got a call. They said, uh, Dave wants to do a remote with you. And I knew the remotes on the show. Like that was close. Said, wow, that's great. Yeah, we want to just follow you on the job. So they came to my office. Dave spent the day with me. And I remember their intern that was with them was Chris Elliott, which was wild after what ended up. Wait, not- the guy on yeah, Schitt's but-
0: Creek, that guy? Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um so and at that point he was just an intern on the show. He wasn't the Chris Elliott everybody knew on the show, the way what he would become. Uh it was fun. Dave actually was really it was interesting because he was he's a broadcaster, really is a broadcaster. He started in radio, he knew exactly what my job was, you know, the traffic department just managing the flow of commercials and promos and live announcer copies. So he got it uh, and which which made for a uh, uh an interesting uh, interview, and that was just shouldn't be real footage, and God only knows what they were going to do with it. Uh, the day of the taping, I get a call, hey, uh, Dave wants to interview you. And at that point, I was like, this is crazy. Like, why would he want to interview me? I I live in Frankie Mary's basement apartment in Brooklyn. I don't have a, a movie coming out. I don't have a book coming out. What am I going to talk about? They'd just be yourself. They were very, very casual, and uh, it was amazing. It, it, it came out great. I, I I did really really well. The interview did. We fell into this rhythm, and that that you know, after that, that was it. It's not like I'm going to be on TV. I'm going to be a stand up comic. I went on with my career. The people I worked with at at NBC left just before I left to start MTV, and then I followed them there. And then suddenly I work in cable, and I'm at MTV at the beginning of of that incredible era. And in eighty nine I left um no in eighty six I went to 80. and then in eighty nine I was one of the founders of Comedy Channel. If you remember, I don't know if you remember this, but before there was Comedy Central, it was Comedy Channel, and our big thing was Mystery Science Theater three thousand.
0: Did it was it only on half the time too? Is that right? Am I am I thinking of,
1: I know Yeah, it was it wasn't a lot of coverage. It was it was on part of the day. We were broadcasting all day, but they only took little parts of it. Well, I
0: remember E, like movie time became E, but I thought that I thought there was these two channels so, that like one would be no, in the... It
1: was. So what happened was, you're, you're, you're almost right. Just trying to think so, out, it was, out loud here. HBO launches a uh, comedy channel, a basic comedy network with VJs. Ironically, very much like an MTV, only with comedy. Lots of comedy clips and great personalities. It so all went on to do great things. And then... Um, MTV launched a comedy network called Ha, the Ha Network, and the cable uh, system said, listen, we barely want one, let alone two, so we merged and became Comedy Central. And my big claim to fame there was uh, pitching the idea that we should cover the State of the Union live and make fun of the president, which we did with... Without Franken, ironically, at the time he was still on SNL, writer, comedian, he hosted it. And it put the network on the map, was great for my career, did a lot of great things there. And then in 96, I left uh, um, Comedy Central, to go to CBS because my friend Mitch Semmel had been working there on the new Cosby show, and he said uh, late nights going through a lot of changes. They just fired the executive producer, the head writer's that Rob Burnett is now the new executive producer, and he and and he, you know the show wants their own guy uh, that works at the network, uh, basically someone that really was going to strongly advocate for them. Uh, often at the risk of his own job, which would be me. Uh, 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 and I got the job. And, you know, in, in the interview with the producer, I was told by a lot of people listen, it's going to be a long search, and there's no guarantee they might even not fill this, the spot, they're fickle. In my interview, it went so well with Rob. He excused himself, then he came back. and goes, "I want you to meet with Dave." So I met with Dave instantly on the interview. We—he remembered, you know, the show that I was on, and I was like, "Jesus Christ!" Now, I'm like the guy who did a sock puppet, you know, on national TV on your show, is now the network executive. But it was great, and, and it was an amazing run there from '96 till he went off the air in. Uh, what was it like 14 or 15 and and in that time in like two in in 98 um cbs merged with uh with infinity bell commerce and the radio group and i'm like holy shit howard stern is now part of our family and i just would tell anyone they would listen we got to do something howard We got to do something howard and i was in a position to to make something happen and it was great we um we set up a I pitched the idea or you know the idea that we should do something with Howard and that's when the Saturday night show came in uh, which which I said let's not lie let's call it what it is the Howard Stern radio show which is what it was a tv show that was basically the radio show excuse me <clears throat> and um and that's when I got to work with Howard and I as a long time listener I'm sure you know when you're in the Howard real world of working with him, whether you're his housekeeper or you bring him his coffee or you know, whatever whatever's in his world, if you're open to it, he'll pull you in. And I was absolutely open to it because I was such a fan. And uh that's how that happened. So there were there were days where um you know then when Jackie left, um I had been with the show long enough that Howard wanted me to sit in for some shows. <coughs> which was amazing that was another experience and there were some days where I would be like holy shit I'm starting my day on the Howard Stern show on the air and then I am in the afternoon I was working with Letterman every day but there were times when I was on the Letterman show just as myself and I'm like this is too weird and I I, I'm proud to say I stopped and appreciated that those moments I'm like this is gonna end it's not always gonna be great it may not even end great but it's an incredible moment in time and it was it was more than a few occasions where that happened so it was wonderful yeah so the
0: the howard i'll get to want to do letterman kind of towards the end because that's obviously a big part but I, I love the howard stern stuff so you do you how many meetings do you have with howard do we i mean does he did he know you at this point or did you become because you're oh,
1: what howard it was howard was it was incredible we were partners in developing the show we worked like closely together so before we launched the CBS show we spent a lot of time together He's a great guy like a great great guy um uh, and the off-the-air Howard uh, was so in some ways so similar but also different like like really a business guy um and and really like Dave you know completely micromanaging in a good way, every aspect of, of the show. It wasn't just like stick a camera in here and put it on CBS. He had thoughts and opinions and strong feelings about a lot of things. So we were, we were real partners uh, on that and going, you know, when you're in the Howard world, there's weekly meetings and unlike late night TV, the meetings, everyone is there. It's not just the writers, you know, how that's the great thing about Howard, you know, a good idea is a good idea. No matter where it come, came, came from. And, uh, so, yeah, no, with Howard, it was like we hit the ground running super, super close, which allowed that ease on air, I think.
0: What so You said you sat in. So uh, did you – were you starting to get these feelings of – I know I'm a vice president at Dave Letterman, but what if – because that chair was open. Uh, Craig Gass was there, Artie, Ron Zimmerman, all these guys came through. W- were you ever in your mind going – well, I wonder if I just took this. What if they offered me this job just to sit here and be in the Jackie chair? Did that ever come across your mind?
1: And- no, I never. I never thought I was like good enough for that. And also, I was like very happy with my job. Like I was like it was it was amazing. What what I questioned was is how am I getting away with this? Like. Like, you know, I am w- saying the wrong thing. I'm, I'm like one word away from blowing up my whole career, you know, especially back then where there was it was a, a lot more frank conversation going on about the world. Uh, so, no, I never I never aspired to that. But it was a thrill. It was it was amazing. Um, and I felt very, very lucky. And then over time, they rotated different people. but We were still doing the show, you know. And, and the funny thing is, is you know, you didn't have to sit in the chair to be on the show. You know, a lot of the the things that I did was when just there were a couple of times where Harry would just want me to sit on the couch, like when Ringo was there, which I'm still embarrassed by um, my, my performance while Ringo... Uh, I helped produce that segment, and then I proceeded to not let Ringo answer any of the questions. You know? I was like, or I was correcting it, which was a disaster. So, yeah, so so I, I felt like I was part of the show already, regardless of where I was in the studio, and it was wonderful.
0: Yeah, I was looking. You were on the September 10th show with Craig Gass, 2001.
1: Yeah. So that's was, the day I before. So. kind go to... It was crazy. I would have been on the eleventh as well, but I had to go to LA to pitch Jump the Shark. We were doing the Jump the Shark uh, game show. So yeah, I, I it was. In fact, I was in LA when the nine eleven when nine eleven happened, and it was just you know Howard was amazing what he did during that whole time.
0: I do always. I mean, I was a huge Artie fan. I love that he got the chair. I felt like it was like the second yeah, rebirth. Artie. Tell me your, I mean, I'm guessing, I always ask for an update. Jackie was great, by the way. They were both great. And that's what, I always have that conversation. It's like, it's, it's it's two different shows and they're both great. I mean, there's no difference to me and that's probably true, but already do you, do you keep in touch? Do you have an update?
1: People are wondering where he is. So let's ask. No. I, and I, and this is the one case where I'm taking no news is good news. <laughs> um, I recently got a note from, uh, his sister Stacy to connect on LinkedIn, which I thought was a wonderful sign that like, okay, this is great. We had a beautiful exchange. I said, gave my best <clears throat> to Artie. I didn't want to intrude, but, um, I'm, 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 the pictures he looks amazing except for whatever physical problem with, with the nose and I don't know if that's just him as a reminder to not get, go down that trail again or oh, maybe he's done something with it already but he's a good looking guy you know and, and and the great guy just great great uh, uh, salt of the earth guy I, I, I basically call him and Jackie the old Darren and the new Darren from Bewitched you know they were both great you know in their own way
0: yeah no, Jackie was on here, and I was trying to. So Jackie, why did you leave? And he he pretty much just said, you know, I was drinking, and I was going to get divorced, and I couldn't wake up. and And I see a lot of comments of people going, "He's not answering. Why won't he answer the question?" So it is funny because he did leave the Beatles, as as you know. I you're, think,
1: you know what? He, he, there's a documentary that's supposed to be coming out. Uh, on I, I know I was I spoke to the <clears throat> to the director on camera about it, but I think he he dives into it in more depth in the in the documentary but you know look i think they call this bluff and you know sometimes like you know when, when that happens it's like what do you do you know and i think all those things added up but he looks great he, he's healthier now than he's ever been jackie that is and already too hopefully but um yeah you know it was a run it was an amazing run you made
0: yeah. your yeah, and you 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 would call in from what you're on the train, right? So what does an executive on the bus, do on the bus? Uh,
1: on on the bus. B- I was going to do a fight with Donald Trump on the bus, which was amazing, you know. <laughs> what Don were you Donald doing
0: right now? You're a VP, and you're riding the bus into work, and <laughs> then you're calling the biggest
1: radio show. Tell me a little bit about. Just John couldn't understand like why aren't I had the live in Z? I'm like, what kind of world do you live in? I live in the suburbs. When you live in the suburbs of Jersey, you know, you could take a train. You could take a bus or you could drive in. Like Driving in is insane. Why would you drive in when you could be driven in? It just happens to be a bus. I know a bus does feel low rent, but trust me, it was a very white-collar bus. And I would uh, whisper uh, in a very creepy way uh, various things, the ratings, or get into fights. I once got into a brutal fight on the air more than once, um, but it was fun.
0: I remember the one you were talking about. The one I'm thinking about is stuttering John when when Jay, when he's going to work for Jay. So you call in, and you are so you know you're 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 defending Dave to the tilt, but you're whispering on the bus. <laughs> it's
1: just because stuttering John. Oh my like, like, God! No, really, Dave is not He's got the better audience it. a Democrat. I know. It was so creepy. It was
0: funny though. So yeah, we and I
1: I, I, I did appreciate how much fun that would be for the show even if it was at my expense same thing with debbie tapes like i knew i was after gary released his tapes i was like oh man i wonder if i'm remembering these correctly i think mine were sweet and romantic and blah 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 and then i remember telling gary hey that i you know i had a sim semi- i didn't tell I told oh, gary and then gary threw me under the bus one day we were getting to uh somewhat of a tiff on air and he goes hey any Howard got ear tapes and how it seized on that and when I I had to buy a Betamax machine to, so I could play the tapes and uh, Debbie would tell you um, I was mortified I'm like oh my god this is psycho shit no one will ever see this stuff and Debbie was laughing so hard uh, and then <clears throat> finally I realized this is really good for the show so I gave them a small part of it
0: that was a bad idea Gary I think got like thirty grand what did you, if. <laughs> Yeah, those like tapes, kitchen. <laughs> those tapes scare me a little bit, Vinny. I gotta be honest. But oh my w oh, yeah, so Listen, listen, listen. I,
1: I I won't argue
0: with you there. Does, does Dave say to you, what are you doing? What, now, come on, you can be on the show, but now we're, we've gone, we've
1: crossed the line. He was aware. There was one time where I do remember where Howard was really angry at Dave. And, you know, I don't know how much he was wrestling or not. Like, you hear the anger, and then he's, like, kind of smiling when, you, when you're in there sometimes. But it came off as really, really bad. And I fought back, and I defended Dave, and Dave called me, and he said, I really appreciate that, which I thought was nice. He goes, I don't know what's going on with Howard. I always thought... We had a high regard for each other, uh, but a lot of it was just the wrestling and stuff. I think Dave might have been amused by it, maybe annoyed sometimes because I wasn't spending time. I should have been more attention to the show, but this was like – it was like 6 in the morning, 7 in the morning, 8 in the I – mean, there were times where I would get into work at like 8, and I'd go there to do something – I'd be sitting in, there'd be something going on and I'd, I'd be at my desk at nine o'clock. It's like, not that it took anything away from those other things. So, but uh, yeah, I don't know what he really thought, but I just love that they're good friends now, which is amazing.
0: Yeah, and so the, the Howard relationship just comes from what, the CBS show, right? He get That's when you first kind of get to know him and then you yeah, work with him. And he just likes you, right? And then he just, he starts he, to like you, right? I mean, that's pretty
1: much how yeah. he just decides, I really like uh, well, Vinny. He, 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 it's a combination of liking you But even if he didn't like you, if he thought it was good for the show, (laughs) you know, you're in. You know, so either way, you know, it's great. But I actually met Howard before the CBS years when I was at Comedy Central. I pitched. He ended up doing it, but we pitched it to him before. Um, And he came in with his agent, and uh, we pitched cameras in the studio. And he said, I don't want to do that. It'll ruin the surprise. Then he pitched him a one-on-one interview show. Do you remember when he had a show? I remember when he interviewed Phil Hartman and he brought phil's wife out mm-hmm. at the time and she was on camera and then later on what ended up happening was so freaky but like that so that was the smarter thing what they did um because that started a relationship with them and then when howard was ready to where the technology got better with the lipstick cameras and you could really hide them those old e-shows look amazing i mean doug goodstein i know you had doug on uh was part of that team and ganji uh an incredible and Scott the Pace. What those guys did is amazing. Those shows, I mean, and we're talking like thousands of shows. Not, you know, one radio show might yield four episodes, right? So...
0: I want to get Scott on here. I don't know if he's interested in talking about it, but I, I did, I think about that. Sure he would. So many cameras, so much going on, especially in that little E-studio, but then when you get the bigger studio, plus Howard has an angle that he wants, so he'll call Scott in to yell at him because the angle he doesn't like, which is always funny to me. Right, right. Um, what, So what was it like when Howard would go on Dave? Because Howard always made a big deal of this, and I know Dave, I'm assuming, really enjoyed because it was probably very easy for that him that pretty. night. What was it like for you, though? Because you're sort of... That in between guy, did, did you just get? Yeah, the to... worlds
1: colliding. It was great, except for one time was horrible, uh, and I'll tell you that in a second. But it was like a circus. It was great. Fifty Second Street, Fifty Third Street, which is the side entrance. You know, it's like it was like the Beatles are on. You know, it was crazy. All the fans would be out there. The paparazzi would always be lined up, but they were out in full force whenever Howard was on, and, and Howard would be very generous with his time and linger out there and sign autographs and take pictures, and then it would be. He never did a pre-interview, which is mandatory with most guests. So you never knew what was going to happen. So it was always great, and then afterwards, it was always like a high of, "Did did I do good? You did great. All that all that kind of conversation." The one time, which was a nightmare, was when he was battling with my boss, Leslie Moonves, and uh, he, he was it was really ugly, like really really bad, and he said he was going to wear something on the show that, that make a statement and i'm like no don't you can't this is wrong da, da, da. and I, I i didn't get my way and you know he had on the shirt like i you know what it said i hate you know the picture of leslie i hate leslie that, that kind of thing and uh leslie took it in good good stride but <clears throat> that day wasn't fun that wasn't a fun fun night a t- time tragedy was time A lot of time yields great stories and comedy but in the moment it was it was pretty ugly
0: well how hard was it because you know your dave's your boss howard wants to come on he wants to do some weird stuff I mean, is Howard are you and him conduits to each other, or is it Howard
1: still just no, doing no, the? No, pre- no, I'm just trying to. He's he's laughing at my torture, and really, my boss was Leslie Moonves. It was Dave and Leslie, you know. But I was a CBS employee, not not an employee of Worldwide Pants. So it was dicey. It was it was a minefield every everywhere you went.
0: All right, so you, the, you're you known most famously on the Stern Show for Restless, Restless. I, I never saw the video till yesterday when I was doing research. I actually researched for these things. And I saw the video of you guys doing it. And I think the problem Howard had, obviously, first was that you did it in his studio, well, around his studio on off hours. So did you know that that would get out? Did you want that to get out? Because... No, no,
1: yeah. The, the story's actually different. Okay. Uh, I, I, I actually, I did that the original the original restless restless was recorded at WNBC is
0: this on the uh, box set I, I, like yeah the four box set of the restless restless
1: class. yeah 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 tom and i were 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 in my office and had, tom worked for for actually actually worked for WNBC and i worked for W-Y-Y, W-Y-Y, the F episode we we're on the same floor and uh, tom and i were budding songwriters so we had this song and we recorded that demo like in 82 and then one day um word got out at k rock because tom then was at k rock he was the head of uh, business affairs he would sign their paychecks and 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 they tom's a great guy and they would be like do you know that tom you know tom's very corporate um you know tom and Vinny write songs and write songs forever like the idiot because we were playing them in the office one day tom and i and then we said we should re record that restless one so we recorded it right and then howard was i think mock angry i think he just loved the idea it's like what the fuck are you guys doing and and it was you know again a disaster uh that was made for great radio
0: yeah. And normally on the contests that were had on the Stern Show, I'd always be like, oh, that's fixed. You know, like win Fred's job. like Gary. I know Richard and Sal did a great job. But the guys yeah. who won this contest, that song they put oh, together, yeah. it's so good. And it just, it like, I sing the way they sing it. It's so... The
1: country guy, right? Yeah, yeah. the... Yeah.
0: Restless, <laughs> restless... That, it's a great Those guys should be I mean to do that with that song and I'm I'm sorry, Vinny, the song is funny no, in a But it's
1: but horrible. for them to make that thing sound like that is amazing. Well, so here's here's the thing with that, which was incredible. They got over a thousand entries and the rules were very liberal. It's like all you have to do is use the words, okay? So you could, you could, if you could find the melody or rhythm, great. We wrote it like a Ramon song, and there was one submission that was exactly the way we had it, and it's actually pretty damn fucking good. Uh, but anyway, these other people, yeah, they brought their brilliance, they, you know, uh, the, uh, their musical skills, their talents, their vocals, their arrangements, uh, and it was not, it was not fixed at all. We got over a thousand entries, and. And then we did the show, and and my buddy John Tita from Warner Chapel was one of the judges. And the three top ones, how about Robert Goulet? How great was that? Where did
0: they get him? Who, did they just know him or
1: someone knew him, I guess? Uh, One of the, you know what, the show, no, no, the show didn't do it. Um, It was like a fan, uh, I think, but... Ernest Lupinacci is a guy, he's a big fan of the show. Look, the, the Howard Stern show, some of the fans are like really big deals, like rock stars and movie stars and directors and writers and Ernest is one of those guys, Ernest is a great, uh, he did a a bunch of promos for ESPN you might remember where Goulet sang Mm -hmm. them, doing Vegas Mm -hmm. style arrangements and being a big fan of the show um, he, he was able to get Goulet and William Shatner to each do a version that he produced that he never saw, they did a great job, they trusted him
0: his is good, too. I can sing his, too. You wore your purple dress and do a all Jews. my dance. <laughs> <laughs>
1: did you see me get into a fight with him, though? I was like, you got the lyrics all wrong. Like, the guy is down. She left him, but you make it sound like, hey, bring out the next one.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's funny because all of them were great, but yeah. Um, you, How many times were you on the show? Like, just even via call-ins or how many times did you go in? Can you think hundreds, of how many? Yeah. Hundreds.
1: I mean, yeah, it's just a, a, a lot. It was over a long period of time. The last time I was on was when uh, Howard let me come on to promote the the, the primetime special that I produced on Letterman's uh, final year final week and that was great that was nice Howard was very generous uh, with his time and you know the show evolves there's a lot of guests that were on back in the day that aren't on anymore um, it's a different it's you know it's a different atmosphere now so you know but uh, the guys everyone that works here is fantastic you know Gary and Sean, Richard and Sal Benji's Love him.
0: They're, they're just they're great guys. Yeah. So moving into the Letterman years, '96, you show up there, and that was a, a volatile time, as you mentioned. I mean, if fans Who of Dave, that? yeah, Rob Burnett had been there forever, uh, or I'm sorry, Robert Morton would have been there forever, and he moves on, and right. then Burnett. Tell me a little bit about how hard it was, because it wasn't. For this is now Jay, I think, starts winning right around here yeah, too. So right. you, it's yeah. like this is kind of some some nasty stuff you're kind of getting in, right? I mean, was it like that yeah,
1: or? The well, well, the tide turned. You know, we went from being number one. To, it was like was you, you remember? It was just like right at the gate. It was big, but but there were so many things that happened behind the scenes that people aren't aware of that made it harder for Dave and easier for Jay to 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 be number one uh cbs lost football your sports guy you, you know they lost the nfl package that was one of the main reasons that they went there he was wooed. listen you're gonna come we're gonna promote the hell out of you this is before me but that was what the, the pitch was you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna be on cbs uh, we're gonna have the games on the weekends we're gonna promote who you're doing it's gonna be great and then what happens you know fox outbid cbs they lose football and suddenly like CBS was losing affiliates in Detroit, the CBS affiliate switched to Fox and they had a, CBS had to buy a UHF channel. Like a lot that those things are, are, it sounds hokey. You would think, well, as long as he's on, people find them. No, it doesn't work that way.
0: You well, know? and back then, you know, some cable companies didn't carry channel 58 or whatever. You know what I mean? Like you,
1: yeah, there was a lot of stuff. So, so, so that, Led to the downfall. That was a big part of it. And then NBC, um, you know, the Must See TV Thursday night, the juggernaut. You know, ironically, you know, Friends and ER were shows that were developed by Leslie Moonves because he was the head of Warner Brothers uh, Studios. They sold those shows to NBC. Couldn't NBC for buying them, but they were developed by Leslie's team. And then Leslie had left to come to to CVS, and it was. And then and then on the CBS side of it, Dave had no lead in. It was, you know, before Leslie got there, I, I was there at the same time Leslie got there. Um, it was Murder, She Wrote. Like, you know, a diagnosis murder. You know, this wasn't CSI, this wasn't Survivor. It wasn't all the cool shows that eventually Leslie brought on, it was all these these old shows. And uh, it was tumbleweeds. It was really, really bad. And then, yeah, they Morty was fired and Rob took over. And uh, I walk in there and I was so over my head. I didn't know, like, I didn't realize that, um, you know, you just have to let people then sometimes. Their frustration was palpable. And a lot of times they would, you know, complain to me about everything. And I was like, oh shit, I'm the guy that's got to do something about it. And I would often go to Mitch or Wesley and I realized, you know what, I got to do this myself. I can't go running to, I got to figure these things out. And I did. It took me, it took me, a couple of years to really get good at my job and navigate those waters. But it was really frustrating. It was frustrating for me personally, knowing we have the funniest show. It's like, it's clearly the best show in late night, hands down. And that's not even a knock at Jay was doing a commercial show, a long monologue and dancing Eidos and all that. And, and Dave was, and Robert, do was like a parody of the talk show, right? It was really, it was really funny, but Yeah, it wasn't mainstream enough, I guess, you know, or, you know, at that time. And the lead-ins were horrible. So it was a combination. And that's what I did for almost a whole run. It never really got good, you know. You know, we'd have peaks, you know. They've had bypass surgery. Oh, we won that night. And then it's like the next night, it's like back to normal, you know. Like they just, people wanted it when there was something in it for them. The 9-11, the show after 9-11 was one of the most incredible shows in TV. We didn't even know, we, can we do shows like this again? You know? And and Dave figured out a way to do it.
0: Yeah. One of the the retrospectives I don't know if it was the one you did or CNN All no, I, I consumed all of them I was a huge fan of Dave in the 90s in the, the or early 80s late 80s 90s right. and the, even the CBS stuff was fun but I think Conan said it best he goes it was the anti-talk show Johnny Carson had this giant band and everything was slick and Dave would walk out and he would throw pens and he would hit the camera and you would hear things in the background Barbara Gaines would be screaming and it and it right. it made me realize that's why I loved it I and it's why I really got into broadcasting I was always consumed by what's going on in that background? What what did he... And then he would stop the show and go, what, what, what are we doing? How much time we got, Morty? And the, we would just say that as kids. Hey, hey how much time we got, Morty? Um, so I loved I loved the show. Um. Tell me, so what was your day-to-day like? I mean, are you just basically kind of the li- liaison? Hey, Dave wants to do this. Can we do that? I, I want to get Dave yeah. this.
1: Tell me what your day-to-day, you know... In a there was a rate- production meeting every morning Um, at 11 o'clock. I had offices... At Blackrock, which was the cbs headquarters and i had a, a little office in the Ed southern theater which i hardly used because i didn't want to get too close i didn't want to be the hovering, you know, nervous network executive. Uh, you know, I, I gained their trust, and the production meeting was all the mechanics of that night's show, and then that would end, and then I'd sit with the producers, and then we'd get into all the other real stuff that's going on, gossipy stuff, gallows humor, last night's show, who's upset with who, and everything to do with the network, to do with Dave, to do with the sponsor, all those things. So I would deal with all, with, with all of that, digest it, figure it out. I would go back to BlackRock, my office there, and what was great is I worked with like the best people, the head of marketing, the head of research, head of sales, um, head of uh, uh, promotion, press, and they would we would be talking all day long they needed something from me i needed affiliates you know that world that was like a big deal affiliate relations they needed a special promo they'd need all these things so i was one stop shopping for everyone in the network and they hadn't had that before before when they launched is like they said we don't need a network executive to leave us alone and the network like fine and then when they needed help they're like when rob took over because i need a partner you know so i became that guy and then Kind of same thing with the show. The show would also dump all their needs, wants, frustrations on me. So I would kind of digest it all, synthesize it, figure it out. Uh, and it was it was every day, every hour. There was something going on. Um, and then there would be uh, rehearsals would be in the afternoon. I only went if I was on the show or if I had a bit that was on the show I go. Otherwise, I wouldn't even. I'd get scripts to make sure everything was okay. You know, no bad sponsor mentions. That you know, that kind of stuff. And if I if there was language issues, I would deal with it as much as I could beforehand. But really, I would try to get there within minutes of the show starting. My place in the control room on the back deck behind the director with the other producers, and uh, and that was like fasten your seatbelts. You know, you don't know where this is going to go. And uh, there was one. There was there was a great. Great story that I that um, that that involved McCain and uh, remember when John McCain was running for president, Katie Couric, right? <laughs> right, right. He was supposed to do the show. He bailed at the last minute, and Dave was like, "Okay, well, all right." And then uh, I'm sitting there and in the control room you know what it's like there's there's monitors all over the place that we actually had a feed from from 57th street where the other stuff and we could see dad rather getting makeup on and all that kind of stuff and it was really no one was allowed to use any of that footage but it was like okay well that's cool and we see katie clark sitting down and this isn't the control room right and dave doesn't know this we see john mccain like sitting there and they're like, Is this happening now? I'm like, It can't possibly be You know, I'm sure this was a pre tape and I'm like, Holy shit, it's happening now And they're like, We gotta tell Dave And I'm like, Wait I said, just, just hold on one second. So I got into an argument with, with one of the producers, and I'm like, I wasn't saying no because I knew this was gold, but I was like, just you have to let me just get ahead of this for one second, just one second. I wanted to make sure that my boss Leslie knew that because I knew it was going to blow up, right? And it was, there was like, you know, our rehearsal footage would go to to 57th Street, and I know the show wouldn't like if they if they. Took a uh, video of an uncompromising Dave moment, you know. So it's just like, just be careful here. So we, we took it outside. We took our fight outside. I was just give me one minute, right? I went back in there, and there's a phone, and and Dave, Dave was talking to Keith Oberman. Keith Oberman was mm-hmm. the go-to last-minute guest that we were bringing. And I remember I went, I went under, and I was like, and I whispered, I said, "Listen <laughs> again, like the bus voice." <laughs> What amazing things about to happen i just want to give you a heads up like it wasn't are you okay with this because i couldn't put any him in that awkward position it was like just you know we're about to steal the fee john mccain you know is doing katie Cork when he said he was going to wash okay fine you know so i covered i got go for it they tell dave and then boom magic happens which was wonderful and i was just like i was just trying to make sure that everybody was covered you know that my boss wouldn't get a surprise from a pissed off John McCain or a pissed off Katie Couric, How dare you take that feed, you know? Um, and I did that, and it was wonderful.
0: This this little five-minute stuff we've done here is is so amazing to me because and I'm I'm not trying you call stutter you call in on a bus to the Howard Stern show and you're talking <laughs> to Stuttering John. Um, and you're you're just goofing around, and then and then you're making these giant decisions for the number one or number two, whatever it was. We're number three, I remember was this big billboard. Right. I I think this is amazing because in my head I always thought, how is Vinny a vice president? But that story right there, I you just seemingly have what what you need to sort of massage everybody. And that is really what that job it seemed like. It was, well, Yeah, but that's, yeah, that's a great a story. To it, that out. That's a great story to kind of just get inside the head of how it worked. Um, did you, How much did you deal with Dave personally? Cause it seems like he doesn't want an executive, but it seems like he's starting to trust you. Tell me a little bit about just your interactions as those years go on. You were there almost to, to almost 20 years. You were no, 20 no, years. Over 20
1: years, yeah. 22, 21, 22. Um, you know, our. Our conversations, they were they were they were always cordial. Um, he was he was he was complimentary. There were some years like you know, one year he gave me this beautiful Christmas gift, which no one he didn't do that to everyone. And and some sense, just like you know what, it's just his way of showing you his appreciation for you. That that's all. Like I didn't need a gift, but it was wonderful to have the moment like that. But there were. Um, my interactions, there's no high fiving there with Howard. Like you could actually celebrate a victory, you know, and there was none of that. So unfortunately, my my direct ones were were um, one was really sad and one was really awkward. Uh, the awkward one was when they wanted the writers wrote a bit uh, where David interviews the world's greatest Austin Powers fan, which was like you know typical like. He, late night humor there is no world's greatest austin powers fan but the idea that there would be an austin powers fanatic who would be dressed like austin powers and all he would do was say shagadilic shagadilic baby or groovy you know all those kind of those buzzwords surprisingly that movie had a lot of them, right and so there i am in my austin powers outfit and dave is interviewing me and all I'm supposed to do is get in his face and just yell at him. There's no script. Just yell, you know, groovy, baby. Do I make you horny, baby? Shagadilla, baby. And Dave's supposed to look at me like I'm an idiot, right? And we did it a dozen times. Uh, and I have a tape of this. It's pretty funny. We did it a dozen times. And it just it wasn't working. And Dave was like, uh, you know, Vinny, it's not you. It's just like this is inherently like I get a Star Wars fanatic, whatever, I don't get this. But during the down times, He was pumping me for information. Tell me what you really think of your boss. Tell me what you really think of. And he was serious, you know? And I'm like, I I can't. You know, my mic is hot. It's going out throughout the whole building. So that was really, it was awkward and funny. The, 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 The sad one was one, he was just really raging. This is after the heart surgery. And he was understandably upset every time the show would be delayed. And I think the show was being delayed because of a Survivor premiere. Survivor had become this monster show, and it was delaying him, and I found out last minute, and he found out, and he called me, he was screaming at me, really upset, and I was, I made the mistake of sighing, as if like, I really, I, I, I'm sorry, I feel horrible, and, and he was like, oh, am I exasperating you? Like, he took it the wrong way, and he hung up on me, and then I, call back, and I said, that's not it at all, and I went up, and they wanted me to come up, and we had a real good heart-to-heart about ratings and that kind of stuff, where I was trying to explain to him that they're not as important as you'd think, because, you know, the advertisers loved him, you know, because the show was an iconic show, and unfortunately, it was pre-internet, because so many things the show, like, more people talked about Letterman the next day... Then Leto the next day, but more people watched Leto, you know, but Letterman was doing the memorable stuff because he had great writers and great producers. And um, so that was like we tried to come to a meeting of the minds there where it's not as bad as you think it is. But uh, other than that, it was just like, really, there was a there was a distance between him and, and a lot of people on his staff. And I think that was just his way, you know, w- which is to get into the, the, the game mode
0: every night. I, I do want to back up on the the late night wars, but I, I you, the things you're just talking about, I'm interested about that end where he does announce his retirement and then he gets a full year. I know he's, it, just by reading, I've read about him, I know about him, I know he doesn't like he, people heaping praise on him and telling him how great he is, right. and I know he's self-effacing and he thinks everything he does is not funny, whatever, but it, it, it was almost like a funeral to see all these people come out and talk great about you and the Conans and the Jon Stewart's and to realize that you know at the end of his career he literally did launch this whole new you know basically how Johnny did with others did he get to finally give himself a pat on the I don't not a pat on the back but did he at the end of this because those last 6 weeks uh, there's a book about it and I've interviewed that guy yeah. did he finally go ah, okay I feel pretty good that this career ended the way it did what he's whatever that career the, the late night thing and that right. there is an appreciation of what I did and maybe some of the stuff. Maybe this will live on. Did he get a chance to actually? Feel, you, and did, I don't know if you talked about it with you, but did you get that sense that he was like, okay? Especially that last show. I mean, the ten biggest yeah.
1: freaking names of comedy are out there. It was amazing, right? And, and the shows leading up to it. I, you know, I, I couldn't answer that. That would really be for him to say. I'd well like get him on the phone.
0: If, Let's go. Come on. I've been trying Dave, for years. On, Dave, Dave, can you get on? The, you have his number. Yeah, I was gonna say. Do you have? A, can you call Dave right now? That's a question for real. Can you get on the? Can you get him on the phone? Like I'm
1: sure he would take it.
0: Okay, I'm just curious. All right, but go on about the question.
1: I'd like, I'd like. I'd like to think that maybe if he didn't feel it at the time, he feels it by now because he did have a second act. You know, it's like what he's doing these one-on-one interviews on 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 Netflix. Um i I think that's more in some ways probably more fulfilling for him than having to talk to you know someone from Dawson's Creek. I mean, this guy was interviewing people he was more famous than most of his guests, you know that were on the show so uh, I'd like to think he he appreciates and feels the value of it, but i I couldn't answer that question.
0: What was it like during the again he got to kind of watch from afar the Jade Conan stuff? It seemed like. It really reinvigorated him. It seemed like he was really yeah, into yeah. watching this
1: As from a. Af- I don't have a. I don't have a dog in this fight, but. Uh, uh, yeah. What were those days like in the office? it was also it was it was because it was again NBC. I think mean, his problems were from just reading the Bill Carter book. It was the mistakes that NBC made and the way they treated Dave, and they were making those same mistakes again with Jay. I mean, how do you tell Jay Leno? Five years. Just, they just signed Jay Leno to a five-year extension, right? And then Conan goes ballistic, and then they go, "Okay, Conan, we'll give you the show with five years, guaranteed. And they go back to Leno and say, "In five years, you're done." And he's the number one show, who was only going to get bigger. And I'm going. I was going to myself. I was like, "Oh my god!" As we get closer to the end of his contract, are they going to really? St-? Who gives five years notice? You know, and then I think they realized they made a big mistake, even though Conan is great, but they made a mistake in trying to, uh, you know, replace, you know, Conan. Dave, when Dave came to CBS, he was replacing Pat Sajak. There was like nothing there, you know. (laughs) Dave created that franchise, 1130, for CBS. They they were very careless, and it wasn't fair to Conan. I don't think it was fair to, to Jay. And yeah, I think you're right. I think Dave really was like, "Great, this is—I could fight Deb through these guys by proxy." There's
0: so many great moments, and then you did put together the the tribute show that kind of aired right, uh, kind of. Yeah, up,
1: that was great, but that was that was stressful because the show didn't want that. They wanted to go out on their own terms. They were doing great packages every night, but um, I'm like, we're near the end here, and it's not like we're killing in the ratings every night. We need to grab America by the throat and say this genius this this tv legend this iconic figure is going off the air look what you're going to miss and and I'm very proud of that show that we put together. I did that with Susan Zerinsky from CBS, who, who now heads up CBS News. But we produced that together uh, with no consultation on the show because they didn't want it. They they fought us on it. They really fought us on it. But ultimately, they've let it happen. And he sent me a beautiful note after, after it aired. I was very proud of it. You know, I wanted to include as much CB, NBC footage as possible. And they were very wary. They were like, you know, we don't trust that you might take Dumps on Jay. It's like no, it's not about that. It's it's you know. But but I was really proud of that. That was a great. We we won the night and helped see this win sweeps that season. And uh, I thought it was a great wake up call for like America to say we should really tune in these last week. Yeah.
0: Well, and it it's a weird thing. I remember I just remember when this all this build-up happened. And I remember boy watching that last show. I it it's so. I don't know how a show can make you emotional, and I don't. My wife gets mad at me. I don't get emotional. I don't cry. I don't do. But man, that when that that I love the Foo Fighters. That I watched that thing over. I still watch it, and I just remember thinking, "This is the end of my childhood." I mean, I'm I was forty at the time, or however old I. But I was like, "That is literally, you know, my childhood and my adolescence, and and just the funniest guy, the 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 way he did TV because I you know Jimmy Fallon's great. Um, yeah. I don't even, who else is out there, Stephen Colbert, whatever, but but this Dave thing was uh, was so um, sad to me um, that I knew that it was just going to be the end of, of that era, and it clearly is, I mean, it's, you just don't have, I mean, he literally basically branched from when you had three channels to a thousand channels, um, so that's my little soliloquy.
1: Yeah, you're right, it's like 30 years, uh, you know, how old are you, you said you're in your 40s, you know, whatever, that's most of your life, you know, from 1982, so he's up there with, for your demographic, REM and you too. And, you know, if you could do a music analogy... He's those guys. if you're going to do a TV analogy, he's Miami Vice. You know, he's friends. He's, like, he was the iconic show of all those decades. Yeah,
0: I tried to get, uh, and I might try it again. I didn't try hard enough. Barbara Gaines and Bill Shuft. I tried to get him to join me oh, here. you would
1: love them. They're yeah.
0: great. And I'm going to work them over because they talk, They did reply to me on Twitter, but I couldn't get him to, to, and I love Barbara. I remember Barbara from her days. So maybe we'll work together on that and see what we can they do. They
1: were a lot closer to the action than I ever was. So they could share great stories. And, and then, then hopefully, we'll, hope,
0: we'll the show. yeah, I would love to just get their, their intel. So, yeah, yeah, I was talking about your that that show. You, you worked there for the pretty much the, the the duration of the CBS show. What I mean, can you narrow down three favorite moments? I mean, you, I know we talked about some of the music that you did live on Letterman, but do, do you have? I mean, everyone obviously remembers, you know, Bieber coming out and trying to scratch the thing or Paris Hilton, and it really showed him kind of working both, you know, being the funny guy with the young. Group, Do you have any, right. and then obviously the River Phoenix uh, or Joaquin Phoenix, uh, not River.
1: The Joaquin Phoenix, that's, that's, well, well the, the thing that I like about Joaquin Phoenix that most people don't, probably don't know is the second appearance when he returned. That was one of my favorites because there was a lot of behind the scenes stuff. Like everybody was pissed. Not that he did what he did. That was before, sorry, that was great. But um, they had a camera crew backstage shooting all that because they were doing a documentary. I don't know if you remember that. And the, docu- and, and, and the show tried to stop them from using clips from the appearance in the documentary and they weren't going to let them use like, like a minute, like fair usage and they used like maybe almost like the whole thing and that really, really pissed everyone off. I think including Dave. And he confronted him on the air about that, Joaquin. So that was awkward because that was real. That was real shit. That was great. Uh, so that was a moment, Justin Bieber uh, talking about uh, the, the 16th Chapel, you know, to the 16th Chapel, which was really awkward and funny. Uh, there were some moments that predate me there. Remember when um, Sean Connery entered with the Jetpack? Mm-hmm. Like some of the entrances were amazing. Uh, but in my time there, I, there were so many shows, and there were so many moments where it just felt like even when we weren't, when the show was not doing well. Because the comedy wasn't working and the audience wasn't laughing, Dave turn to Paul. The audience had no idea he was making fun of them or criticizing them, and and like he had just did a joke and there was nothing. And he goes to Paul, "Don't you love these moments here? With just the crickets out, and you know the night is just so quiet. You know, was like I love that stuff. Uh, uh, it lives on in YouTube. All I could say is so there, there. I'm sure I'm leaving some out, but there's a lot of great moments.
0: Yeah, and it was my Mecca to get to see that live. I, I, I said uh, back then, it? yeah, I went once, Steve Martin was on. Uh, I don't know if you, oh, yeah, I can't remember if he played the banjo, but it was like a freezing. What about Steve and Dave's Gay Vacation? I don't remember that, remember that? one. I don't that know. Remote, if, that was funny. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But
0: Steve Martin was great because he always had to come up with. I love the guys that always had to come up with something. Like we're not just they've coming a out. lot of work into it.
1: Yeah, yeah I think Dave appreciated that that him and Tom Hanks and Martin Short and you know not because of their stardom, but because what the work that they did into it to make it fun for Dave. Even Howard, Howard yeah. would always did something different.
0: So how hard is it then when the new show comes along? You get to work. I mean, it's like a new job, right? I mean, this is the same job you have, but now
1: it's a totally new host. And what was it like? It was hard. It was. It was. uh, I was missing Dave. You know, it was weird because, like, overnight, I had been there twenty-two years, and then I was the new guy because a whole new group of people came in. You know, it's not. We were building this show from scratch. They had a very successful show, Comedy Central, and they came in, and I'm like, wow, this is like so. I was like a ghost that was still living there, you know, and it was, it was tough. It was really, it wasn't, it wasn't easy. Um, but, you know, um, I don't miss that. I miss Dave. I miss, I miss that era, you know, uh, that was, that was it for me. And I think for a lot of people on late night.
0: Yeah. Well, again, I don't, I mean, it's not appointment television. I don't, I don't, and it's, it. it has nothing to do with, I don't think whoever came in, I don't think I'd ever watch it. I don't, you know, I don't know yeah. who would make me watch, uh, you know, I got to go see what he did tonight. So it's uh, right. 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 What? So we're at the point now I've, I've kept you longer than I probably, but I've really enjoyed you this. We probably have too much material here. <laughs>
1: what, is this going to be a two-parter? What are we doing? I enjoyed this it. Is a box
0: set? Yeah. Well, we're at part two starts here in a moment, but, uh, just again, I want you to be able to make sure you say kind of what you're up to nowadays and just kind of get people oh, yeah, to know sure. what you're, I know you're writing some musicals and plays, restless, restless, yeah, and I, maybe, I'm maybe doing a doing tribute a to set? Debbie, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh,
1: Debbie. Oh, Debbie.
0: Uh, it seems like my whole career is in whispering. And oh, it's cringy. It's cringy. It's just cr- like... <laughs> All right. What are you doing? Let's stop there. You- <laughs> uh, I am... Oh, Brad.
1: What are you wearing? Brad, are you wearing... God, are you wearing, wearing tiny whities Oh, Brad. This is disgusting. <laughs> I sound like, uh, what's his name? Uh,
0: Sulu-Oma. Oh, I was gonna say... Oh, I was gonna say Pat o- Pat-, Pat O'Brien... Oh, he called, oh no. oh, god. No, 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 no. oh, please don't put me in that category. That's scary. Uh, oh, hold on. I'm, I'm trying to remember I, what he I, said. The hold on, I got to remember. How did he? Oh god! With coke with this a coke. <laughs> <That's right.
1: laughs>
0: you? What, how did? How did? Oh, because I'm getting you and him confused now. You?
1: All right, will you stop confusing me with that? All right, go all right. ahead. Sorry. What are you doing these days? <laughs> That's funny. I love it. Keep that all in. Uh, I, I'm I'm busy. i actually. it's my busy season. I'm I'm writing. I am. Uh, uh, I'm writing a new musical with my writing partner, Frankie Keane She and I wrote um, Hereafter together. Hereafter was big. You know, it was, it was big in Argentina. <laughs> it was really off-Broadway. <laughs> uh, but it, it was uh, appreciated uh, by that audience a lot. And there were three productions of it there. I want to try to get it going in Korea uh, and someday bring it back here. Uh, but I'm writing a new musical with Frankie um, I am, I wrote a half, I co-wrote a half hour animated, uh, pilot that we're pitching now and a game show and, you know, keeping busy, working on some zoom ideas and talking to you. COVID has changed
0: our world, but we're still out here working and doing it. Our thing.
1: It really has. It really has. And you know, I, uh, it's a new world order and it was, it's interesting cause we're all in the same boat, you know, like everyone, when I say all, I mean, everyone, uh, you know, celebrities, talent, writers, producers, we all have to figure out how to do it a different way. Hopefully not forever, but, you know, and what you're doing is great that you could do these interviews. I, I love it.
0: Yeah, I do. I i didn't, I want to ask one last question, then I'll let you go, because I i want that last, like I said, those last couple weeks, and again, Scott Ryan wrote this wonderful book. Uh, yeah, I, if people are letting me... I spoke to
1: Scott about that.
0: Yeah, yeah. and uh, he was great. The book is great. I actually read, I don't read a lot. I read his book. What was it like for you? Because I don't think you're part of the booking, but you see that? Oh my God! Norm McDonald's coming in tonight, and then Bill Murray's coming in. What did 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 you have any say, or what just, or what was it like just to see the no, names? No,
1: I, they didn't need me for that, and and I was I was just like I knew inevitably everyone was going to be there. I was concerned. I didn't see Regent on the board for a while, and then I think they used him in a walk on at the end, and I thought that might have should have been probably a, a longer interview, and maybe I'm remembering it wrong, and he did do that. I have to kind of go back, mm. but. Um, Either the 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 thing that sucks, unfortunately, for me is that part of the last few weeks, we had a crash produce a ninety minute special to cover thirty years in in less than two weeks. So by that point, I wasn't going to the tapings. I was immersed in an edit bay with Susan at the broadcast center doing that you know so so i i missed some of that and then for the last week uh it was although the last show was frustrating for me it was actually really and, and i butted in with barbara on that and i think we I think it's in the book and i think we might she might we she may remember it differently maybe i'm remembering it differently but i remember saying to the show and i'm not a genius for saying this is like this last night's gonna be this a lot of show here if you want, I, I'm sure I can give you 90 minutes. I can give you two hours. You know, no, 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 Dave wants to do it. Um, the one hour show, da, da, da. I said, well, you know, it's going to be difficult to undo this at the last minute because we had cordon on by then. You know, we had a very popular show at 1230 and, 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 you know, you just can't assume you could do that but I would, that's my job. I would, call Wesley and, 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 and the president of the network, Kelly, call and figure out, like, hey, you know, for this one night. You and they were like, no, we're fine, we're fine, we're fine. And then I'm watching the show and I'm mortified. I mean, it's great and it's beautiful, but I'm like, this is so fucking long. And then they say, well, we'd like that extra time now. And I'm like, well, you know, right. now I, it wasn't even I told you so. It was like, okay, so this is supposed to be like the end. We should be back slapping each other. And it took me um, over an hour to figure out. I had to call the West Coast. We had to figure out, I had to find out how long over they were. And I'm doing this from the theater and they're already starting to dismantle the theater. And I remember Debbie was there uh, and she, she was emotional. She's like, do we have to like, can't we do this outside because this is very depressing. I mean, they were literally, you know, thankfully I think they preserved the important things for Dave, the desk and Paul, but all that backdrop stuff, just, you know, taking it apart. It's like it never, all this magic that you remember, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. beautiful, Julia we drive this and but da, 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 da. Fucking God. Mm-hmm. They were, it was like within an hour, they're dismantling this. And I'm arguing with Barbara and I'm, you know, working with the West Coast to get the extra time. Oh, I lost you there. Uh, I didn't even go to the after party. I I was just so pissed. I was just like, this is so. Thanks for bringing that up, Brad. It was a horrible memory. It was good for you. And it's only good when I think about it on Google, on YouTube as the product. But uh yeah, it was was it was the perfect way to end it for me too, because that was the epitome of yeah. when you get wouldn't be easy. Two, yeah how they make the magic, right. you know? But uh, I love them all. They're great. Barbara did an amazing job and and the director, Jerry Foley, and you know, they were just all an incredible team. It wasn't just Dave. It went really deep from the bookings of the show, from from the writing of the show, from the producers of the show. It was just, you'll never see, it was like the 27 Yankees. You'll never see a group like that together in front or behind the camera
0: ever again I don't think. Yeah, I remember a friend of mine telling me he knew that this thing was going to last longer. He's like check check, check your DVR because it's not going to catch the end and you got to see the end. And then the the great story again, I will refer to it one more time, but but Barbara having to put that montage to the music live and now it doesn't fit and there she's taking things in and out and it just as a producer thinking about and it, and you know, this I used to do sports shows. This is nothing, you know. Okay, well she's working on the letterman finals finale and she's sitting there trying to make this thing fit. so so um I love and what I
1: remember from that is her fighting me saying that I can't have certain clips for my montage, <laughs> which is gonna be a prime time. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like you don't you don't want to let me have I'll give you this but you can't have that. And I'm like oh, you could we could both have it. We both should have it. So uh yeah, see everything that's a good memory for you is is a bad for me so stop talking
0: bro. All right, that's going to do it. I appreciate Vinny for joining <laughs> me.
1: This was oh, I had a great time I did. Go to my website yeah. vinnyfivali.com. V I N N I E fivali.com.
0: All right, Vinny that's where we'll go and uh, appreciate Vinny joining me here on here's the pitch. It's stlmasses.com, my sponsor masses restaurants. In St. Louis, five locations, go to that website, check out their menus. If you're in St. Louis, drop by. There's locations all throughout the area. You'll love it. I appreciate Vinny for joining me. Keep uh, subscribing, liking, and commenting. There will be more interviews like these coming throughout the year. I thank everybody for joining me, and we'll see you next time.